Hello, welcome to Liberal Europe, a podcast on ideas, politics and all things European, European Liberal Forum project. My name is Leszek Jaszczewski and I really hope that you enjoyed the show. Okay, so welcome back to Liberal Europe. Um, I'm talking to you from Albach and we're going to talk today about uh, activism, France and great things you can do being an activist. And our uh, host today, our guest today is Sarah Duhier, who is the co-founder, co-leader of New Multitudes. Uh, previously, she was um, a leader of the Change Org and uh, Obama Foundation Scholar. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And this is going to be a little bit different than usually because I'm not coming here with the strong claims, but I'm coming here to discover. <laughs> so perhaps why don't you tell us what the new uh, institution, new foundation, Multitudes, is, is doing? Yeah, so I'm, I'm just co-directing uh, this foundation. Uh, now it's been a year that I started working uh, in this organization, which aims at supporting political change makers who want to make politics more inclusive, more hopeful, and also a little bit more human. And so what we try to do is to reimagine the way politics function, you know, how power is held, you know, who holds power, how people connect to power. And to do that, you know, we are basically supporting what we call political change makers, so people working especially in the political space and who are trying to bring out solutions, for example, in supporting new leaders to enter politics, but also supporting people to organize for power and finally to support people who are trying to make the political space, including political parties, a little bit more inclusive and welcoming. So the work we do is mostly grant giving. So we're giving money for those projects, but we're also creating a community of practice uh, for all those people doing this work across Europe. We're operating from different places in Europe. So I'm based in Paris. My co-director, sorry, Jeff, is based in Berlin. Uh, we have a team member in Spain, uh, Madrid, and we have another team, uh, team member in London. Hopefully, if we grow the team, we will have a team member maybe somewhere in Poland or Hopefully. in other places. Um, and we are trying to support those political change, change makers all across Europe. I would say from from Paris uh, to, uh, I would say, from France to Ukraine and, you know, from Finland to Greece. So, like, kind of the greater Europe. Um One of the things we're trying to do uh, and the reason for our setup is to say that today, most of the work around reimagining politics is really underfunded. And so we both act as a supporter, convener of the space, but also as a partner for philanthropists and other, you know, funders who wish to engage in that work of reimagining politics. Um, and yeah, we're just set up. We are just starting. We were here in Albach, uh, Albach. Sorry, I need to learn to do the right accent. Albach, <laughs> uh, to do um, an, a lab about uh, re re gender representation. Sorry, in political leadership, and we've brought together 30 people who work around that questions. And it's it's been super interesting and super inspiring. So I think there's a lot of work to do, but there's also a lot of energy and a lot of people already committed to that uh, that mission. So you already achieved a lot before and you had an exposure, you wrote a book. Uh, so why have you decided to, to change into multitudes? And, and because it's extremely ambition, ambitious mission as well, mm -hmm. you know, change, transform how politics work in Europe. Mm -hmm. So what brought you to, you, you are a co-founder, right? Mm -hmm. so, so, so you started the organization. Why, why here? Why now? Why multitudes? So just to, for the clarity, like the organization was, was founded by uh, Gary Van Gulli, Kitty Van Bertele, 
uh, Daniel Sachs and Paul Alacon, who were like board members and kind of visionary for that uh, the, that organization, and they they asked me to join uh, the party as co-director with Jeff Quasi Klein, and so we're trying to put kind of in action and in motion that that vision that they thought about. But I would say what brought me to Multitude is is basically the fact that. I've been doing a lot of activism, a lot of community organizing, uh, a lot of work to basically support people who were directly affected by a specific issue to organize for change. And I did that a lot through my work at change.org uh, in France. Um, I think we've done a lot. I think I'm super happy about what we've achieved. Um, I joined Change.org in uh, 2012. I remember at the time there were 60,000 very brave French people using the platform in English. <laughs> um, but then we, you know, kind of uh, made it accessible to more, also connected that platform to, to many people who are active in the field of, of activism, social movements, etc. And I think it became uh, go-to place for a lot of people who are trying to organize for change. Um, we had 13 million people at the end when I left. That's really and, impressive. And I think that it comes from a good work we've done, but, and I think that can be a good segue to our conversation. It also comes from a very deeply rooted sense of, of, I would say frustration, but also belief that change can happen if we organize collectively. So this work has been very impressive. I think that I think the, the impressive in the sense why I'm saying that is to see that people, when equipped with the right tools, with the right support, with the right coaching, can really achieve a lot. Um, and of course, we've worked with people who organize massive movements. So to give an example, the Yellow Vest movement was mm. partly sparkled by a petition that was started on Change.org in France who had 1.3 million signature uh, by a woman who was fed up with the increase in the price of fuel uh, and that you know became something greater than just a question of uh, fuel prices, but it became questioning you know how politics function, how our government function, how citizens are listened to, etc., so all this experience uh, has been very, very interesting for me. But I have to say that I've never been in a political party. Um, mm. I've never been myself a candidate for an election. But I worked very closely with people who were in politics because a lot of the work we do, we did, sorry, at the time was obviously mobilizing, organizing, but also negotiating. And so working mm. with elected leaders and political parties to see how we can build coalition uh, to, to achieve change. And I think what I, I realized uh, that there is uh, two main issues. The first one I would say is that um, I'm worried about the democratic backslide for many reasons that many researchers and many uh, political commentators have stated already. But I would say that there's a disconnect that is higher and higher between political decision makers and people, and I would say citizens and people in general. And that's, I've seen how public opinion was a tool for change uh, during my years at change, but it also became uh, less and less effective. So the fact that we had the opportunity to get in touch with, I remember, like, I, I've, I'm, I'm going to be very uh, non-partisan because I've been working at change under two different presidents, <laughs> Emmanuel Macron and uh, François Hollande. And I, I have seen, you know, slowly, slowly, and even starting on the mandate of François Hollande, how there's been a less and less of uh, possibilities for people to get in touch with a political decision maker. And, and there's been a bit of like, I think I realized that there was less and less possibility for people to influence power because public opinion maybe is not anymore 
a tool for decision making. Uh, and when I'm talking about public opinion, I'm ju not just talking about, you know, media discussion or polls. I'm talking about people who engage politically, uh, through association, through unions, who, you know, demonstrate, um, do activism and lobbying and are really not listened to. And I think that uh, I've been talking with a lot of people who were active and who thought, you know, we've been trying a lot to influence power, but maybe it's time to try and see what would it be if people who are organized in their community were also holding power. So if they were the ones to make the decisions. And I tried uh, to support some activists to get into uh, politics through the 2022 parliament election. And I was very new and candid, like many of the people I worked with, but we thought... Those are great people. They've been acting on the topics. They're experts on the topics they, they talk about. They're also very connected to the, their local constituency. You know, they've been doing like organizing work, organizing work for a very long time. So they are very legitimate. You know, if you talk about the French presidential election, it's all, it's almost like if you know the people on the ground, you know, you have even more chances uh, to be, uh, to be elected. So they felt like legitimate, equipped, uh, smart, uh, efficient, potential political leaders, but there's been uh, so many, so many barriers on their way. Funding, ability to connect with political parties and to be supported and endorsed, uh, harassment, and I also want to name it, a lot of those people were people who are today underrepresented in politics. So people who are marginalized because of their race, because of their gender, uh, because of their uh, sexual orientation, but also because where they're from, you know, they are from rural areas or they are from very popular neighborhoods. And so, long story short, but more long than short, I have to say, <laughs> I'm going to wrap up, is I, I was like, if we really want to achieve that change, we need those people in politics. But for this to happen, we need to bridge the gap between activism and politics. And so we need to do that work of building and sustaining an ecosystem of what I call and what we call at Multitude Political Changemaker, who do that work of making politics accessible, inclusive for people who have proven their commitment to the common good, but also the fact that they are supported by other people who see them as a representative and as someone who can you know, bring into the political space their needs, but also like their hope for the future. Uh, so that's what brought me to Multitude. Um, I have to say I, I was planning to take a year off, but it's never a good idea to take a year off during an election year. So it didn't happen. And then I came around the, the idea of Multitude and I was really happy to join to kind of fulfill that, uh, that mission that I feel is very important. What's the main difference between activists and politicians? What happens to the activists when they become politicians? So it's interesting because in these days, uh, there were a lot of politicians in the room in this lab we've organized, but it was true also in other conversation I had. I think a lot of politicians, I think they identify as activists. And to be honest, a lot of the politicians today used to be activists. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them were in, you know, NGOs or they've been, you know, actively uh, protesting somewhere like very, you know, um, I would I say like committed citizens in the public space. And I think that, you know, there's this thing about how we see politics, how we define it, how we criticize it, how we hate it in some way, that makes it very hard for someone to stay connected, connected to both sides. Um, and I know I have some activist people that I've been working with when they were seen as activists who went to politics and have really been struggling to stay in touch with their constituency, but also their community, their community activists. Because there's this thing about, you know, now you've kind of, went to the other side, like, can we trust you? And, you know, how can we trust you? And so I think that's the problem, you know, 
because I think politicians are activists who have have chosen uh, public office to achieve change, or at least my hope is that more of the activists who are committed to change go into um, into politics and try to do that. So for me, there's a difference in like the setting, but if you're really committed to change, um, if you're really committed to supporting the voices of the people you want to represent, uh, you can do that in the street, you can do that in an office, in a parliament, you can do that in a local council. Uh, you can also do that in your school, you know, uh, with other parents of the same school. So for me, there's a need to kind of break the barriers between activism and politics while also recognizing one thing is that if we want people to love politics again, we need to make it great. It's a bit of a, so, so if we want people to love politics, it needs to be great. You know, mm. it needs to be a place where you thrive. It needs, you know, when even at your local, at your local level, if you want to go to the local uh, party, you know, and if you open the door, you need to have people with smiles that welcome you and make you feel like you're going to kind of develop not only yourself, but also like your ideas and your purpose. So we need political parties to be much more welcoming. Uh, we need also to talk about inclusion and the fact that there is so much homogeneity in politics and especially in political leadership that we're not going to get democracy to work for everyone. So getting politics to be inclusive and being welcoming is for me the only way forward for activists and politics to be able to, you know, join forces and work together. One thing I think, uh, just to kind of answer better your question, <laughs> uh, the difference between, for me, activists and politicians uh, is that activists sometimes, they should be a little bit more political and politicians should be a little bit more of an activist. Hmm. And so... What I mean by that is that activists need to be strategic. And that's really what I've been working on when I was at Change is like there's something about the anger we can feel, you know, the energy there is in us when we want to achieve change. But can we use that energy and can we be strategic? Can we use political milestone or entry points? Can we use like legislation voting to kind of pass some stuff? Can we build coalitions? So Activists need to be more political, understand more like where power lies and how they can organize. On the other hand, I would love to see politicians be a little bit more activisty. And so what I mean by that uh, is that institutions can really break our energy. They really can stop our you know, willingness to achieve change, but also they can block us into some you know, systems that don't fit the need of the people and you know, like the, the things we have to do. And so, you know, trying to break a little bit like the styles and barriers uh, in politics, like working with social movements, welcoming them into your work, but also, yeah, being vocal when you think something's not right, uh, including in your own party. <laughs> mm. um, and so I think that's that's really what I see, the link between activism and politicians and how this can be more interrelated. That would be a great conclusion, but we are not finishing up <laughs> yet. Um, the French seem to be a very activist society. And we've recently seen the break of the violence and, uh, well, very violent protests and a little bit having words. Sometimes society seems to be broken or very polarized. How do you see this? Do, what do you think, what do you think is underlying behind this violence? Do you think it's, is it possibly a sign of engagement or do you think it's, it's, it's really toxic and dangerous? How, how, how do you see not just the recent protest, but perhaps also was behind the rise of the, um, of the Marine Le Pen and, the, and the nationalists? And I think that maybe there is some tension within the society that is behind, behind those, uh, phenomena. Mm -hmm. 
I think that we've been there before. I think sometimes we act or we, you know, we, we kind of surprised that what's, of what's happening today. Uh, we've, you know, we were talking, uh, before with this interview about my background and the fact that, uh, my family was, uh, Jewish from Poland. And I think that, uh, in some way we've seen what, uh, economic, uh, struggles, what, uh, the lack of, the, the, the fact that when people feel not seen, when they feel not respected, when they feel not heard, how they can turn to extremism and how they can accept, uh, the, the most horrendous things in the world. And so I think for me, this polarization has, uh, and maybe, you know, uh, history, uh, <laughs> People who work on history are going to hate what I say, but I see a lot of connection between what we've seen in the past and what's happening today. Uh, obviously, the tools are different. Now we have social media that accelerates that as well. But I think the anger and the frustration creates that polarization. And so I, th I, I really am a very strong advocate of trying to bridge people, you know, trying to get people to talk and, you know, talk about their values and see how they can align and they can achieve stuff together. But I also think we need to recognize why that polarization happened and the root cause of that polarization. And just to comment on France, uh, what we've seen with the Yellow Vest movement, but uh, I have to say also with re retirement movement, um, is quite of unprecedented. Uh, for the Yellow Vest movement, it's a completely organic movement. Uh, obviously, some political forces have used that energy to their benefit. Uh, but I would say it really started from people who cannot make ends meet. Uh, and I think we just need to recognize that, you know, that this is the entry point. This is the fuel rise. And we've seen it in so many other countries. Um, so for me, I'm worried about that polarization, but in some way, I feel that this part of it, which is uh, not only related to people having different ideas, but people's frustration and people's struggle. And so I think we need to address that uh, as much as address the divide between people. I, I find it interesting that uh, most of the coverage we've seen, and it's true in France, but it's true in other countries about the recent social movements, we're very much focused on the violence uh, that happened. And that, that violence, I have to say, um, was, I, I would say, like, really for me, uh, um, something very sad to see and something that obviously I feel uh, very saddened by. And I think that I also would have wanted to hear about the stories that I've been a witness of. Um, I've seen people who were very isolated, especially in the Yellow Vest movement, reconnecting with their neighbors. Um, I've seen people on you know, roundabouts, that's how we say it in English, um, you know, finally meeting people who live just, you know, 20 meters from their house, uh, creating bonds, creating friendship, uh, finding ways to feel less isolated. And even though the Yellow Vest movement is not protesting every Saturday, I can tell you that many people have found community and many people have found also purpose. And a lot of them started to engage in politics. You know, some of them went into association, others decided to run for office. Others are still trying to do some activism and uh, lobbying towards politician uh, uh, decision makers. So yes, the images are you know, striking, you know, and we see them, but what's going, what's beyond these images? Who are the people? Not only what is their struggle, but how do they connect and what they create together? Um, and for me, there is a very simple way to approach that is, can we just listen? <laughs> mm. Can we just listen to what people say? Can we be honest and, and truthful about the fact that 
their struggle is related to uh, the lack of dignity for their own life, for their kids, for their families. Um, there are so many more people with, I wouldn't have the number, but today in France we see like uh, precarity is rising at tops. It's incredible. And we know why, we know where it's coming from. So let's act on it. So I would say this is the first thing. And the other thing is that the movement we've seen in France, obviously there has been the retirement movement, but what's interesting, there was a really connection between movements against uh, racism, feminist movement, climate movement. We've seen like people from the climate movement marching in the retirement marches. Uh, we've seen like uh, feminist uh, groups as well, part of those uh, of those marches. So they really start to be like coming together, all those people who are connected on different issues. And I think that it all shows that there is a kind of a one way to solve this is to take the root cause. It's like people want dignity. People want to have lives where they can be their full selves. They want to be able to have impact on the way their life uh, function. And so they want to be heard by political decision makers. And this is very important for me. And this is why I do the work that I do. Um, is that I think a functioning democracy cannot be exclusive. Uh, it needs to work for everyone. Otherwise, we are creating those situations of polarization and we're also giving the space for people who don't have good intentions to find supporters. It's a very noble cause, but I'm wondering to what extent do you think there are causes that should not be represented? Mm-hmm. Or in change of org, I suppose you are not supposed to take signs, mm-hmm. but I imagine you can have a very powerful movements against immigration, for example, mm-hmm. or against, I don't know, COVID vaccination, mm-hmm. or not not very noble causes, but mm-hmm. with the real representation, I really support mm-hmm. some people who are involved in the climate change movement were uh, outraged by the protests of, of yellow vests, and we don't have time for this, right? Mm-hmm. That was what they said. To what extent do you think that even causes with which you very strongly disagree, who might be anti-feminist, for example, mm-hmm. uh, should also be heard. Mm-hmm. And what extent do you think they should be fought against? Mm-hmm. So there is this say, which I hope I'm going to be able to repeat well, uh, which was, you know, I'm, I don't remember who said that, uh, but something around the lines of, I'm happy, I'm okay, I'm open to your opinion as long as it doesn't question my uh, existence and my dignity. And I think for me, you know, we all do like, I think I've been, I started working at Change and I really believed in the model of an open platform and um, and the fact that, you know, we need to get people to, to be together at some point. And so there was a whole theory of change behind change.org which was you know we open up and people are going to connect at some point and even though they disagree there are stuff they're going to agree on Uh, but we've seen with facebook and we've seen with other platforms that it's actually not happening because the political context didn't create the conditions for people to create to come together and so while i believe in openness and while i want to hear you i also believe in values and i have some values that are very important for me and that's also why at some point I decided to leave change because I think that both the evolution of how the world function and the way the platform like kind of the role the platform could have played uh, in in like movements that are questioning the dignity of people um, I've decided to move on and I think that's why I'm very happy because I think with multitude we found something that makes a lot of sense for me and we're not neutral 
We have values and we support those values of equity, of justice, of, you know, dignity for everyone and like respect for everyone's identities and, and experiences. And at the same time, we are very open to include as many people as possible. And so I think that's the way forward for me. I would say at Multitude, but in general, and we've been talking a lot in these days with people in ABAC who have, you know, are from very different political parties. Um, but I think there are, there are places where we can disagree. Um, there are elements where we, we cannot let people question the very existence of other people. Otherwise, democracy doesn't function. You know, this is a whole paradox of tolerance. I think like everyone has read that, especially recently, everyone's sharing around that approach, which is like, what do you do with the intolerant when he doesn't let tolerance happen? So for me, that's kind of the red line. And that's where we need to thrive to connect to each other, but also to questions, ideas, ideologies. And, and, and yeah, I think that's, you're talking about immigration, for example. Um, it's really interesting. I'm going to give you a, a, a clear example. Uh, we had a lot of petitions, I think around 1,000 petitions per month. And um, on all of those petitions, um, I have never seen, or maybe once or twice, a petition against immigration which was not led by an existing uh, political actor. So I've seen a lot of like, you know, most of the petitions on change are like, you know, they everyday people who start stuff, you know, I have this problem, I need this, I need that. I've never seen a petition that was started by an everyday person uh, that was kind of questioning the immigration policy or that was saying that he didn't want it to have people from other countries or other backgrounds to be in their country. I've seen that a lot by political actors. So I'm not saying that there isn't an anti-immigration sentiment in Europe and in many countries. What I'm saying is like how much of it is politically made and if it's politically made, can we undo it? And uh, I think that's, that's what we are, that's what we must do because we have to do that together. There's no way our world can function if we don't do it together. So I know it can seem a bit cheesy uh, and I'm, I'm known to be called uh, Bizunos. Uh, I don't know if you know this uh, word. So Bizunos was a very cute program for kids uh, in France. I, they're like very cute teddy bears. So I have a little bit of Bizunos in me, but I, I think I am I a Bizunos it. with a plan. So I mean, I'm strategically uh, trying to achieve the Bizunos world, and but I think it can work. Uh, I think there's complexity, but I, it's the only way forward for me. And especially if we talk about the climate crisis. Business, business with a plan sounds great. Uh, just very shortly at the very end, what's driving you personally? And where are you aiming? Um, what's driving me, uh, I think, is self-determination for everyone, justice, love, business mm. again. <laughs> uh, I think that's the values that are important for me. I think I, I, through my life and my experiences, I think I always strive to be able to make decisions for my life, to be able to be a free person. Um, but also to be in connection with others. So I think like I'm trying to put that in my work and in my mm. activism. Um, but activism, do you think you could be doing something else being who you are or it's impossible for uh, you? Again, I've thought about it many times because mm. it's very, it's a very tiring world. I like it, it requires, if you want to do it well, a certain level of empathy and empathy can be extremely tiring. 
so yeah, sometimes I, I have to say, I wish, uh, I didn't take the, you know, like in matrix, like the pill to oh, yeah. see the world and how it functions. And like, I feel I've seen beyond the, the wall and now I, it's very hard to go back. So I, I, to be honest, I don't know if I could do something else. I could do it in different forms. And that's what I'm doing now, going from change log to multitude. But I think it's, it would be hard to not do anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for being with us today. It's thank been you a real for pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. It's all for today from the uh, Liberal Forum and the Albach Forum, uh, from the Liberal uh, Podcast at the Albach Forum. And um, please tune in uh, next week for Ricardo and the two weeks. Goodbye. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. And if you like what we are doing and want to help spreading the liberal values, please give us a five-star review and share with your friends.